Brother Ken. Appreciate that so very much. It is, again, good to see each and every one of you with us this morning. We are continuing our journey through the book of Galatians. We start chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3. We'll get the first five verses. Paul is writing this book to a church that had false teachings that came into it. We're trying to pervert the, the gospel, which he calls not, a, not another gospel, but there's no gospel at all. And you see his emotions come through. And in this particular passage, you, you see the, almost the anger in Paul's life as he talks to these individuals about the situation. Listen, to he starts here, verse 1 of chapter 3, You foolish Galatians! Who bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit, you are now trying to obtain your goal by human effort? You have suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing. Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observed the law or because you believed what you heard? I've entitled this, Who Bewitched You?, which uh, comes right out of the text there. Uh, Paul's defending the gospel in this book, and he's defending it again here. And now he brings it back to an argument of their own personal experience. And he's asking a question similar to this. How did God work in your life at salvation? How did you happen to get saved? That's a very simple question, but it's a very important question. Because the false teaching that had come into the church was being accepted by some there at the churches of Galatia, and the gospel was being perverted. Paul says, you're doing something so foolish to turn from the gospel. You know the truth. But when you think about it, the problem of the churches of Galatia is the problem with the church today. Often it's been the problem with the churches throughout the ages. How often does the message of the gospel get out and presented? How often does that happen? How often do you hear that you are saved by grace through faith? How have you heard the gospel message that Christ died on the cross for your sins, was buried, raised again, and by faith in Him you can have eternal life? Paul's saying, that's what you know. That's what you've been taught. That's what the scripture's saying. And he's again reminding them at any time you turn from the gospel and turn to a system, a legalistic system or a religious system or some form of ceremony or rituals to a list of do's and don'ts, you've changed the gospel. And he says the same gospel that, that you heard that saved you is the same gospel that will guide you in your life day after day. 
Paul was led there to preach the gospel message, to preach that Christ was crucified on the cross. And that message was there, and it changed their lives. They believed the truth, and they were new creations in Christ. And he is saying any teaching that teaches the opposite of that is inferior. It's a, a substitute for the gospel. And, and if you were to go back to chapter 1, verse 7, he says it's no gospel at all. Anything that was built on the law of Moses and the ceremonies of the Old Testament were fulfilled when Christ came. And they, in a sense, became invalid. Over in Colossians, when Paul was writing to them, Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 we see these words. When you were dead in your sins and in your uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away and nailing it to the cross. There, Paul is saying that Christ fulfilled that Old Testament law and, and it is no longer valid for us. It is nailed to the cross. And we now have a, what is known as the, the new covenant, the message that we are saved by grace through faith. Faith in what Christ did on that cross. The old covenant never, ever had the ability to save an individual. Salvation has always been faith in God's promised Messiah. Even in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to this Messiah that was going to come it was never about the law and the works that they did. The law only showed us how sinful we are. And so here in this letter, Paul is battling those who are opposed to the gospel message. He is battling for the truth of the gospel. And he is saying that any time a person adds anything to the gospel message of Christ dying on that cross for sins has changed its meaning. We cannot do anything to be saved, and we cannot do anything to remain saved. There's a couple contrasts here. If you notice verse 2 and verse 5, he says, Were you saved by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Verse 3, he said, Were you saved because of what the Spirit did in your life or because of some human effort? There's that contrast. Paul had been very clear in chapters 1 and 2 that an individual is saved not by works, not by efforts, but by what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. In fact, he was very clear in chapter 2, verse 21, when he says, If righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. In other words, Christ dying on that cross was, was useless. And in a sense, it would have been one of the greatest tragedies of all time that he would just suffer and die on that cross for absolutely no reason at all. But again, the Bible's clear over and over again. It says, you and I can do nothing to be saved. We can't add to it or take away from it. God doesn't even expect us to try to do anything to be saved. He has done it all in Christ on that cross. Christ died for you. He died for me. And the only thing we do is put our faith and our trust in Him. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace 
Are you saved through faith? Not of ourselves. It is a gift from God. When we look at this text, we notice that Paul is, is amazed. He's, he's angry. He's surprised and somewhat upset. He he's under, knows that these folks are, are in danger of, of turning away and falling away from Christ and going back to a works-based salvation trying to find approval in God's eyes but by what they were doing, by some kind of works or law-keeping or religion or legalism. And Paul is saying, no, no, no. Notice his appeal, starting in verse 1. Who bewitched you? That, that term means that uh, somebody cast a spell on you or, 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 or charmed you, uh, possibly being led away by flattery. He's saying you're, you're leaning on, on feelings, not on facts. As if they were hearing something that was, if I can say, hypnotizing them. Because the message of the Judaizers was very simple. Christ is wonderful, but it's not enough. He's not enough. You need something more for salvation. He's insufficient for your everyday living. And let's face it, that kind of message is appealing to our human nature, isn't it? If you're prideful like me, oh, I didn't say that, but I, I battle pride. I don't, I don't mind saying that. But if you're, most men are very prideful. A lot of women are too. But some message like that is appealing to our human nature and to our pride. We love to put our hand up and say, look what I did. John MacArthur says, most cult members do not become involved because they are intellectually convinced of the doctrines of that cult, but because of the teachings and practices are very appealing. Paul, using a figure of speech here, shows how, how dangerous it is to fall away and to follow after works and the false teachings, as if they are under a spell and can't see the truth. Now, the Christian life is not necessarily an emotional venture. Now, if you're like me and like most people, when you got saved, there was a lot of emotion involved. Is that not right? And we've all been on that mountaintop experience. We've had those highs, and, and they're wonderful, and they're good to have. They bring us joy and, and excitement, but our basis for the faith is, goes beyond an emotional experience we've had. It goes on to the foundations of the truth of the, that salvation is in Christ alone, and that He is the one that brings satisfaction to us and contentment. He brings us peace. If you notice, he not only says, who bewitched you, he started out by saying, you're foolish. Now, that's strong language to call someone foolish. Now, I want you to notice, he didn't say you were dumb or stupid or that you lacked understanding or, or you were mentally lazy or careless or you had cloudy judgment. He is saying you literally have failed to use good spiritual discernment on this issue. You've allowed your emotions, your old nature to rule in judging how to live the Christian life. When a person becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes in and resides in them. 
He did in you and uh, he did in me and you. It's not debatable. The Holy Spirit comes in to our lives. He comes in to illuminate our hearts and our minds. He is the one that when we go into Bible study, uh, whether it's in a Sunday school class or a another type of Bible study or in your own devotions or here in worship when the Bible is, is opened. He is the one, the Holy Spirit is the one that says, this is the truth. You're seeing the truth. You're hearing the truth. And this is what you need to do to, and apply it to your life. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Over in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 10 through 11, excuse me, 10 through 13 says but God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has given freely to us. This is what it speaks, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. There, Paul is saying very clearly that the Holy Spirit is the one that teaches us the truths of the Word of God. He also then mentions that Christ was crucified there in verse 1. His message is the crucifixion of the cross, Jesus on that cross. And Paul made a statement to the church at Corinth, and he says, I have resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the only thing that was important to Paul is that people saw the message of Christ, that Jesus' message, the gospel message, sometimes people call it the good news, is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And the emphasis is that he died for us individually. And all who believe that what was for them can be saved. And that's what the Galatians had heard from Paul. The message of the gospel message. They believed it. They trusted Christ as Savior. And as a result, they were born again or born into the family of God and made a new creation. Christianity, again, being very personal to them and individually, just like it is with you and I. If you're a Christian here today... You have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a term that's often used, and that's the very truth of it. It's not God out there somewhere. It's not a religion that you pick up on Sunday morning. It is a relationship with Jesus where he is with you every day, every hour of every day of your life. Christianity is not knowing about Christ. It is knowing him personally. We preach Christ we preach him crucified on that cross. Again, there in verse 1, Paul says, it did this before your very eyes. You heard this for yourself. You clearly understood the cross. Paul, writing to the church at Philippi, says, Being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Christ dying on the cross, what we call the passion of Christ. He did it for me. He did it for you. For all who will believe and trust Him. Christ, the Word of God, as the Holy Spirit uses it, draws us to Him. And we can see Christ. 
We, we've seen pictures of Christ. We've seen the, the pain that he went through. We've seen the suffering, the thorns, and, and, and the beatings that he took. He paid it all. He goes on, starting in verse 2, about remembering your own journey. He says, look at your own experience. Again, he asks the question, how were you saved? By works or by faith? How did you receive the Holy Spirit? By following the law or by believing the truth? He says, you began with the Spirit. You've been born by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit came into your lives and, and became the truth and presenting the truth to you. And the Holy Spirit is active in our lives today. You see, before we became a Christian, it's the Holy Spirit that convicted us and convinced us that we were lost. John chapter 16, verses 7 through 11. And they, when we be, believed and, and, and accepted salvation of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that we were born of the, the Spirit, John 3, 1 through 8. And as we live in this world and walk through this world, the Holy Spirit is with us daily, Galatians 5.25. And the Bible tells us if we're going to live successfully in our Christian life in this world, we have to be filled with the Spirit, an ongoing filling of the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18-21. The very moment an individual you or I or anyone else has believed that Jesus Christ is Savior. The Holy Spirit came into our lives, came into our hearts to reside there. Paul, again, writing to the church at Ephesus says, Having believed, you were marked with him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The fact that the Holy Spirit resides in you, it's the fact that the Holy Spirit convicts you of, of sin and, and, and works in your life so that you will live a holy, successful life is evidence that the Holy Spirit, that you're born again, that you're saved. By the way, I trust everyone in this room remembers how you were saved and the day you were saved. Not necessarily the exact hour or the calendar date, but, but you know there was that day that you turned to Jesus and you remember it. And you remember what you were saved from, what you were saved out of. What, what your life was like. And we don't have to dwell on what it was like beforehand. But we must never forget where we were and what the Lord did in our life. And where we are today because of what Jesus has done. Let's never forget that day in our life. Let's never forget what he has accomplished in our life. Because if we ever forget, we will never be a good witness to the world around us. And so Paul here to these, this church says... When you were saved, were you saved by works? Were you saved by the law? Were you saved by religious ceremonies? Were you saved because of legalism? No. He says you were saved because you believed in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. It's the Holy Spirit that made that real to them. And it's the Holy Spirit that makes it real to you. It's the Holy Spirit that speaks to an unbeliever and says, you need a Savior. You need Jesus Christ as Savior. You need to repent of your sins. And you need to receive by faith the gift that God is offering you in Jesus Christ. Paul, after he asked that question, how were you saved? He says, then why are you now trying to finish what God started by the Spirit by doing something, by works? What changed? 
You're saved by faith. Quite honestly, you're kept by faith. Not by keeping some works or laws or, or on your own abilities. No, not a chance. You don't rely on your own strength, on your own power. You rely on the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. I've learned something in my life. I've learned a lot of things in my life. I take it back. But one thing I know for sure that I've learned in my Christian walk, when Daryl takes hold of things and tries to do it Daryl's way, it's a mess. You've witnessed some of it, have you? We have to walk by faith, walk by the Spirit to live successfully in this world. You see, we're no more kept by works than we're saved by works. Yes, we're saved to do good works. Don't get me wrong. We are to to, to work for the Lord. We are to be a witness for Him in this world. But it does not give us any better standing with God by doing so. We do works because we love Him and we want to share Him with the people around us. We want to show people that Jesus is in our life. Paul says, don't let the temptation of living a Christian life by legalism, don't follow that. Don't fall into that trap. Live by faith. You're saved by faith. Continue to live by faith. It makes a strong point that if you started out by faith, you've suffered so much. In that culture, I, I, I can picture the fact that they were ridiculed, they were mocked, they suffered for them. Uh, they had family and friends turned away from them. They were laughed at. They were mocked. Some Christians were put to death. And he's saying, you have suffered so much. So why now change? Because trying to earn and keep being saved by your works. And he uses one last illustration. The power of miracles. The Holy Spirit working in individual lives who know and have trusted Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is working miracles in us. When Jesus Christ is preached and a person responds to the gospel message, their life is radically changed. That's a miracle. The the energy of God is at work in that individual's life. Strongholds are broken. Addictions are overcome. Discouragements can turn into opportunities. Christ reveals to us and deals within our lives of how He wants us to live. Those are miracles that He does in us each and every day as we walk through this world. We are transformed by the gospel message. We preach that the conversion experience is a miracle. And those miracles come not because we follow some kind of laws or regulations but by trusting Jesus Christ. Paul said over in chapter 1 of Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That's the power that changed a life, the gospel message. Have you noticed in your life that the churches that have forgotten the gospel, and sadly so many have, Lose the power of God. 
They go through the motions and they sing songs and, and they collect an offering and they do some good events and they hear some sermonettes that makes people feel good, but no power, no life-changing message. Nothing happens because the gospel has been silenced in those buildings. The churches that preach the gospel, that that is a life-transforming message, preaches it because that's the truth. That's what happens. Every one of us in this room who knows Christ as Savior, our lives have been sometimes literally turned upside down when we trusted Christ. Miracles happen. Paul says here to them, did they happen because you observed the law or did they happen because you believed? And the answer is because they believed. Paul's argument here is that you're saved by grace, by trusting Jesus Christ and the work he did on the cross. You received the Holy Spirit in your life at that moment in time and and a miracle took place in your life and other miracles are taking place in your life. And and he's saying, I cannot even imagine why you would turn back to religion and legalism because you can improve on what Christ has done for us on that cross. How foolish they were to turn from Christ to another gospel. I want to close today by asking you, do you know You know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Has there been a day in your life where you understood that you were lost, destined to hell, but the message of Jesus Christ is that He will save you, He will transform you, give you eternal life in heaven, and you do not have to worry about hell ever going there. And He will, by faith, He will come into your life And you will experience a miracle of what's known as the new birth or being born again. If you've not done that, and I don't know, we've got a good crowd here today. I don't know a lot of you, uh, and even those I know well, I don't know if you're playing religion or if you have a relationship with Jesus. But here's the, the truth. If you've never trusted Jesus, I don't care if you're young or old, male or female, a member of this church, or this is the first time you've been here. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the Bible says you are lost. We all start lost. But he has given us Jesus Christ dying on the cross so that our sins can be forgiven. We can have a relationship with him and know that heaven is our eternal home. If you don't know for sure you're saved, I ask you to come meet me in the front as we sing a hymn of invitation here it will be on the screen so you can follow it. Shall we stand and let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just say thank you once again for the privilege and the opportunity to share your word with this church family. And Father, I just ask if there was someone here battling battles and not sure of their salvation uh, or know that they're hopelessly lost, that you will convict them today through your Holy Spirit and encourage them to step out in faith and say, today... I trust Jesus to be my Savior.